Podcast, uh, three average guys with above average takes. I'm your host Noah, and over here we got Justin. Hello, hello, and and over here we got Josh. What's up? All right, guys, we got a lot of news uh, coming today. Uh, we'll start off with the NBA playoffs. We had a hot weekend, hot weekend. A lot of games that were up in the air. A lot of uh, upsets that we didn't think were going to happen. Um, so we'll start off with the team that had the most expectations coming into the season, uh, which were the Lakers coming off their uh, NBA championship run last year in the bubble. Um, they went down uh, against the Suns. They lost their first game. Um, so now we go into the game that's tonight. And do we think uh, that this is a must win for the Lakers? We'll start with Josh. So, I think looking looking at their last game against the Suns, it was extremely disappointing if you're a Lakers fan. Um, to me, the biggest disappointment would have to be that overall, it, it seemed like DeAndre Ayton outplayed Anthony Davis, which, I mean, that, that if you're a Lakers fan and if you're the Lakers, that just can't happen, especially if you want any chance to win. Um, I think, you know, LeBron, it, it was a little disappointing, too. Um, but he, in my opinion, has more of an excuse than Anthony Davis with the whole ankle injury and stuff. Um, I mean, LeBron needs to play better, too. But to me, Anthony Davis getting outplayed by DeAndre and is just not a good look. Um, and I think this Lakers team just isn't as strong as they were last year in the bubble. And, and on top of that, this, I mean, the Suns look really good. I think um, Chris Paul and Devin Booker is, is a great combo. Um, Devin Booker's a great scorer, and Chris Paul's a great floor general. So, I honestly think that if the if the Lakers don't win this next game, it's not impossible. Obviously, and I mean with LeBron, nothing's impossible. But if they go down two zero, I think it's going to be very, very hard for them to come back and win the series. Okay. Yeah, I would okay. have to agree with that. Um, for like. The, I'm thinking more of the background guys, the background characters, the role players. Like Kuzma having zero points was terrible. Caruso was kind of there with 10 points, but he didn't do anything else. You got KCP with only seven points. It's just no one else was there to pick up when Anthony Davis and LeBron were slacking. And obviously LeBron and Anthony Davis played the most minutes. They're, they're the main guys. So... It is heartbreaking to see that if you are a Lakers fan, that no one else can step up when LeBron and Anthony are down. And like you were saying, Josh, I think Chris Paul just elevates this team so much. Like this Suns team is basically the same as it was last year, except they added in Chris Paul, 
And that's basically a couple other role players. Like Chris Paul just brings his team to a whole new level. So in order to like beat the Suns, I think you have to try and follow out Chris Paul as fast as you can. I don't know if that's even possible because Chris Paul is such a smart player. And then if your two main stars are slacking, you've got to have the role players step up. And Kuzma can't have zero points again. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, thinking on that same idea of role players, when they added Andre Drummond, I thought it was over. I thought that their big men would just absolutely dominate down low. And I mean, Andre Drummond only played 19 minutes and didn't even get double digit rebounds, which he's notoriously known for. I mean, I would even say, I would even go as far as say Dwight Howard played better for them in the bubble last year than Drummond has for them this year. And I don't think I ever would have thought that coming from a player like Andre Drummond who just dominates down low for rebounds. And I don't know. It's a hard situation um, because you're playing in Phoenix. It's the first game of the series. It's their first playoff game in a long time. And I think they had a lot of momentum going into the game. So I I don't think this is a must win for the Lakers because they'll be able to go home. They will end up having to take one in Phoenix if they were to win the series. But I think that's definitely possible later in the series if they lose tonight, because if they go home to LA and win the next two, it's an even series and it's the best of three. And I wouldn't count out LeBron and Anthony Davis to dominate in Phoenix for one of those games. Yeah, I can definitely see that happening. One thing too, to think about in, and I mean, this, this might not be true at all. It's, it's hard to know exactly the state like physically that LeBron is in, but it does make me wonder. I mean, even if, even if we assume this isn't a must win and, you know, the Lakers can win the series um, down the road and have to, and have to take a game. It's like, you know, one of the last couple games, I don't, I mean, how big of a, I wonder how big of a deal it is to, to LeBron or to the Lakers that they try to play the least amount of games as possible. And I know obviously that's the goal for every team, but you know what I'm saying? I mean, I know the first game LeBron, it didn't seem like LeBron was playing the same amount of minutes as he was last year and his ankles banged up and stuff, but it, it does make me wonder, like, at what point um, is LeBron, you know, is the ankle just going to be okay? Well, I'm going to play even if I'm sore or I'm worried because if we lose this game, we're done. You know what I mean? So it will be interesting because I think, I think looking at LeBron's minutes, we'll be able to see when the Lakers, or if you want to say it's LeBron, thinks that it's a must-win, if that makes sense. You know, if it's the second game tonight, LeBron plays way more minutes than he did last game, to me, that shows that they think this is a must-win. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a good point for sure. Yeah, it's interesting to see with LeBron getting older and having more injuries than he did earlier on in his career. When will be the point that we don't consider him like an absolute superstar that needs to score this ridiculous amount of points every game. Because, I mean, the guy is, is he 35 still, or is he 36 now? Actually, I, I don't even know if he's that old. 34? Uh, uh, he's 36. He's 36. Okay. I mean, the guy's 36 years old, and we're still expecting him to be the best player on, on the field, or on the court every night. I mean, that's just not plausible. 
for a guy that's 36 year old, 36 years old with an ankle injury. So, I mean, Anthony Davis has got to be the one to step up and take charge of the team. I mean, like you said, like you guys said, DeAndre Ayton just bodied him down low, and that can't happen again. Moving on to our next question. Um, what's the biggest surprise of the NBA playoffs so far? We'll start with Justin this time. So, for me, I think the biggest surprise is how competitive it's actually been. Seems like a lot of games are pretty close, pretty fun to watch. Like going into the bubble last year with everything that was going on in the world, the bubble was exciting because it was something new, and all the teams were there, and everyone was just—it was a hub of NBA, and that was fun to watch. But I remember years before that, I didn't really care about the NBA playoffs until the finals, basically. And I think a lot of people felt that too. But this year, round one, I'm like, oh, the Knicks and the Hawks, the Lakers, Suns. Like, there's games that I'm interested in and I want to see how they play out and how it will affect the NBA going forward. So that's probably the biggest surprise to me that, like, I'm actually curious and interested in this stuff again. I, I don't know if there's actually any big change to the NBA that made it happen like that, but I'm just interested in seeing what players are doing and how everything's going to play out. All right, yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of competition this year. Um, I think we're about to see a, a change in the NBA landscape coming into this offseason. Um, Josh, what do you think has been the biggest surprise in the NBA playoffs so far? I think, I mean, I think there's been a lot of them. Um, kind of bouncing off what Justin said, I, I think, because I'm with you, I, I think especially this first round of the playoffs, to me, some of these matchups have been the best since I can even remember um, with how exciting the games are. And I think a big part of that is you have the Lakers and LeBron and AD as a seven seed, and you have the Celtics, who, I mean, you know, they don't have the star power as the Lakers, but the Celtics being a seven seed too. I mean, because right there you get the Suns and the Lakers matchup, you get the Brooklyn Nets and the Celtics matchup. And to me, both of those matchups are super entertaining. Um, and then and then the NBA kind of gets lucky because even a matchup like the 76ers and the, and the Wizards, generally I wouldn't be interested in that game, but then you have the beef between Embiid and Russ. And so I think that's a great matchup. So I, I'm with you. I do think that these matchups are, are super fun to watch. As far as the biggest... The biggest shock, I think, to me, a big shock is is where the Lakers fell um, in seeding. But if we want to count when the playoffs actually started, I would say the biggest shocker to me would would be the Bucks Heat game the other night, and not just because the Heat lost, because I am a Heat fan, but the fact that the Heat lost the way they did to me was shocking. But just because their defense is what I mean, the deep, their defense is what won, like, won them games. You know, I think throughout the season, they had a top three defense, I believe, as far as opponents' points per game. The Knicks were up there. The Lakers were up there. So to me, the fact that the Bucks scored like they did on the Heat the other night was incredibly shocking. Yeah, yeah. If I had to, if I had to look at one series that I didn't expect to go the way it has so far, now, this is kind of a recency bias just because of they've, they've played two games rather than some other teams only playing one. But when the Bucks dropped 132 points on a defense like the Heat, 
with a guy like Jimmy Butler, who has notoriously been a defensive mastermind, it's utterly shocking. And it's going to be interesting to see how they respond down in Miami. But, I mean, I mean, with how the Bucks are playing, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a sweep. And hot take, I think the Bucks come out of the East this, this, uh, uh, this year, and they shock the Nets. I think, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think Giannis is on a mission because of last season and how the playoffs ended for him last season. I think he wants to stick it to the Heat to make a statement of, yeah, we beat the NBA champions last year and we're coming out swinging. But I think as the playoffs are going to go on, he hasn't really been that far in the playoffs before. And I think he's going to get tested in the next couple series. And I don't know if they're going to have this hot streak going forward. I can't see them beating the Nets, but that is a hot take. What what my mindset is, is that if they're going to shoot like this as a whole team, I mean, Bryn Forbes, of all people, went off last night. So if they can do it as a full team, you have to think that, that they'll be able to shut down the big three that Brooklyn has, especially with like Drew Holiday playing great defense, Giannis being able to match up really well with Kevin Durant, and Kyrie's kind of the off guy who could be a difference maker in that series. But I mean, it's not like Milwaukee has a bunch of scrubs after Giannis and Drew Holiday. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my my thing is. And and I think this is the part of the, this is a major reason why the the last game went the way it did. And I can't remember the exact number, but it was the Bucks set like a or a tied or set a franchise record for most threes in the in the quarter in the first quarter or something like that. And I mean, in today's NBA, it doesn't matter how good at defense you are, you can only guard a three so much because if you get touched, it's a foul. So I mean, I would say if, if the Bucks are going to shoot like that, if they can continue to shoot like that, which to me, I don't see as realistic, then they absolutely have a chance to beat the Nets. But I just don't see them shooting like that every night. Yeah. I don't see, I don't see Bryn Forbes going for 22 every night. And I think with the Nets, uh, yeah, with the, with right, Nets yeah, matchup, right. I think Giannis and KD, people think, is a good matchup. But honestly, I can just see Kevin Durant I don't know. I guess Kevin Durant's been a little bit different since coming back from injury, but I I can't see Giannis fully stopping Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant has the range on him. He has the same Same. size, same length, and I think he can do just as well down low. So I think Kevin Durant. You're right. It wouldn't be be about fully stopping him. I mean, it's just controlling him to a point where he's not going to drop 30 every game. Like if yeah. he's only dropping like like twenty two, I mean that's uh for one of their biggest scorers. I saw a stat the other day that was James Harden, Kyrie, and Kevin Durant were a part of ninety eight of the hundred and four points that they scored on the Celtics. They either uh, scored or assisted in. And I mean, if Giannis can control Kevin Durant to a point where he takes away a third of them, they got a shot every game. Yeah, I, I think this. I mean, this might um, this might this might be wrong because I'm by no means a basketball expert, and this is getting pretty 
deep into like the defense of it and the psychology of it. But I feel like with how with how streaky that I feel like NBA players score. Um, like if you look at the Trailblazers game last night, Damian Lillard at one point like he could have shot from anywhere on the court, and I'd be like, yeah, that's going in because he he was just in a rhythm. And so for me, I think I think if I'm up against the Nets, what I what I would try to do and what I try to make a point to do is if one of those big three make a bucket, the next possession, that player would be my focus. You know what I'm saying? I would I would just try to not let one of those guys get hot and have that be the primary goal. Because I think if 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 Harden, especially Harden and KD, because I I feel like they, in my opinion, I think they're they're better scorers than Kyrie. If you let one of them get hot, or if they both have a streak in the game, they both get hot for two three minutes. I just don't see the Nets losing. So to me, I I think the Bucks could do that. Whether it's if it's Harden and KD, and you put Giannis on whoever's hot in that moment, I think that would definitely increase their chances. But I don't know if that's something they're actually going to do, though. I, I think they'll probably just leave Giannis on KD. And honestly, I think Harden's going to end up shooting 20 free throws. And that'll probably be the reason that the Nets win. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. It's going to come down to how the refs view the view the series as a whole. Are they going to let him play a little more? Or are they going to call every foul like they have been for the past few years? Uh, the next question we got is with the Knicks playing like they did against the Hawks, even with Julius Randle not showing up to the game, not being able to knock down shots, can Julius Randle be the franchise player for the Knicks of the future? Or will they need to add a mega star to help them make a run for the NBA championship? Either one of you can start. Sorry, I don't care. Um, short answer? Yes, he can be the star for the team. Long answer, he can be the star, but he needs a better, not even a better, a more developed guard to back him. Because I feel like his strong suits are defense and mid to short range offense. Like He's never going to be a three-point star. He's never going to be a ball handling star because that's just not how he plays. You get someone in there like, Bradley Beal, which you could argue that he would be the star of that team at that point. But, like, you just get a solid, good shooter like that. Even, like, a, am trying to think of someone that would be a good comparison. Someone like a, like a Chris Middleton. Someone just, like, in the background, not as, like, star quality power. That would just be his number two guy that's basically like a, like a dynamic duo. And then I think they can so win a championship with this team. A shooter. Yeah, some sort of shooter that isn't like the main focus of the team. Like I would never say Chris Middleton would be a star of any team, basically. Maybe like Houston if he goes to Houston right now. And even then I would say John Wall and Christian Wood would be the stars of that team still. Just someone that is a very solid shooter that can boost the team up to get to the point where they need to be. Because, like, R.J. Barrett, Derrick Rose, I don't even know who else, Alfred Payton, Alec Burks, they're not the guys that would win the championship. 
What do you think, Josh? My bad. My bad. No, you good. I think I think I pretty much agree with Justin. I think he he can be a franchise player. I think, but he can be a franchise player for for the Knicks if the Knicks are okay with 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 being a, a four you know a four five six seed in the East. But I think as far as winning championships, I don't see it happening happening with just Julius Randle. I think. And even beyond that, I, I don't know if if even having a, a, a good supporting player with him is enough either. I mean, I feel like today's NBA, it's it's almost like you need a big star to to win a championship. It it doesn't seem like it really happens anymore nowadays where a team can do that without one. And so, and I, and I don't think Julius Randle's that guy. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with scoring. I mean. It's it's not a knock on him because like I mean like Justin was saying that's that's not his game, um, but I just don't I mean that's only going to take him so far right I mean you look at a guy like Jimmy Butler like to me he he's a franchise player anywhere he wants to play, but Jimmy Butler alone isn't going to take the heat you know to win a championship I just I just don't either as, as close as they got last year I just don't see it happening right so. I think I think he's a franchise player, but I definitely think the Knicks need to still find another star. Um, but then it's also interesting because it's it's a matter of how all into the Knicks want to go on Randall, right? Because if you find another star, it probably means you're giving up future talent in some fashion. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think I think it's interesting. I think. I think Randall is definitely a franchise player in terms of getting them to the playoffs and, and making some noise though. Yeah, I kinda I kinda agree with you guys. Um, to a point. I think I think Julius Randall, so this next team gives me Golden State Warriors of the two thousand fifteen when they won that kind of vibe. Like it was a huge team effort and I see Julius Randall as the Knicks, Steph Curry. Yes, it's not exactly the same because Steph Curry is shooting threes and he had Clay Thompson to help him. But that's the vibes that I'm getting from this team. I think RJ Barrett is playing a lot better. Alec Burks out of nowhere last night, uh, or uh, on Sunday night, put up big numbers. And it's a huge team effort. And I think Tom Thibodeau is a major part of that. They're playing great game defense. And honestly, that would fit the narrative for this Knicks team. This would never happen because he's cemented in the Wizards organization now. But Russell Westbrook would be a great player for the Knicks because he's got the same mentality that they do. Julius Randle would be a great second option. And Westbrook would obviously be the star of that. But if they kept the same roster that they would have and then added Russell Westbrook, I could see them going very far. And I, I think they would actually make a huge run at the NBA championship, especially if it was run by defense. Um, but, I mean, I, I think if Julius Randle wants to be the franchise player, the franchise star of this organization, to the point where it, they don't think that they need anyone else and that they can build around him. He, he's got to play there in the playoffs. 
I, I mean, he had a bad night. He had a bad night against the Hawks. And it'll be interesting to see if he can recover from that tomorrow. Um, but he's got to play better. Yeah, you, you brought up R.J. Barrett. I just It, it made me have a thought. Because I, I, I felt like I was hating a little bit. I would say that between R.J. Barrett and um, Quickly is his last name, I believe, who had he had a he had a pretty good game um, their last game, and he to me he looked really promising. I thought he he looked like he handled the ball really well and he looked really confident. And R.J. Barrett, I mean, he's you know he was a top draft pick and he's shown that he's definitely good enough to have a long career in the NBA. I think if if the Knicks can develop their younger guys, especially those two, and especially R.J. Barrett. I still don't know if I think that they have a chance to win a championship, but I would say that that definitely could be huge for them. Because to me, if if they can get those younger guys to to develop and, and turn into, you know, kind of like a a Kemba Walker or... Uh, what's another good example? You know what I mean? Like not not a star and, and not a Chris Middleton, but just someone that can put up points and that they can rely on every night with Julius Randle. I do think that would be huge. And I think it's interesting because you bring up Westbrook, and my first thought was, what would they have to give up to get Westbrook? Right? If if it was a trade situation, um, and not even Westbrook, just anyone. If it was a trade situation. And I think that teams would teams would definitely hone in on R.J. Barrett, depending on what they need. But I think R.J. Barrett would probably be someone that teams would definitely want. And if quickly he's playing like he did the last playoff game, I think he would be on teams' radars as well. Yeah, and to kind of go off that too, I think the guard situation in New York is promising, but just not there yet for them to win a championship. Like, I want them to win just because Derrick Rose is on the team, but Derrick Rose is playing 38 minutes and he's like their star point guard it's like that <laughs> that can't be your star point guard yeah if you're going to win an nba championship i mean it'd be sweet because i love derrick rose and i hope he gets to that point where he could be on a team to get an nba championship but like that he's on the team that just he won't cut it and then like you have taj gibson playing 24 minutes it's like Todd Gibson was back on that team with Derrick Rose in 2012, and he was <laughs> starting to lose his prize. Like, yeah. there's, there's people on this team that's like Nerlens Noel playing 24 minutes, getting six points and three rebounds. It's like, you can't have that if you're gonna if you're yeah. gonna win a championship for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with the expectations of the Knicks as well. I mean, they they weren't expected to do anything this year and they ended up fourth and are hosting. And I mean, the energy in Madison square garden when they stepped out onto the court was electric. They didn't even play well and they looked like the better team because of the crowd situation. And I don't know if that's just because that was one of the first like real crowds that we've seen at games again because of COVID, but it just felt like they were, just dominating the Hawks, even though they were they weren't whatsoever. And I think they're going to need to take that heart, like that momentum, and their like heart to prove something 
And that's going to have to be the motivation that they need to get past the Hawks. And then after that, we can start talking about what can they do to take down either the 76ers or the Wizards, whoever wins that series. Yep, definitely. Uh, all right, all right. Let's get into the, uh, the hot news of the day, fresh off the press. Yesterday, uh, Julio Jones uh, was called from Shannon Sharp on Undisputed, live on the air. And he, Shannon Sharp asked him what the situation was for the Falcons and like their relationship on if he was going to get traded or if he was staying. And his exact quote was, I'm out of there. So it looks like he's going to get traded and it doesn't even sound like he really cares. He wants to go for a contender and he wants to win a championship. There are rumors that Aaron Rodgers has been in contact with him about starting kind of like a super team, like a super offense for where wherever Rodgers goes, Julio would also get traded that team and it would create a, a great relationship between Rodgers and Julio. Do we think this is actually plausible? Uh, let's start with let's start with Josh. Let's start with Josh. Oh, geez. Okay. I have a lot of thoughts on this. So first off, I think it's definitely possible. Um, But I I definitely think that if it does happen, both of them are going to have to take less money than they could get, not on the same team. Um, So my first thought with, with Julio saying that is, ouch for the Falcons, because the second Julio says something like that, that definitely hurts what the Falcons can get for Julio because it's not a matter of the team the team wants to trade him you know, and, and he wants to stay. But if you're any team negotiating with the Falcons now, you know the Falcons kind of have to get rid of him, right? So if, I, if I'm in the Falcons front office, I am definitely upset that Julio came out and said that. Um, I think overall, I think Aaron Rodgers and Julio ending up on the same team is unlikely, but I do have a theory. Y'all have a good theory. So my theory is the Miami Dolphins, okay? The Miami Dolphins, they have a great young quarterback who I think any team would be interested in having. They also have a wide receiver who is no Julio Jones, Devontae Parker, again, no Julio Jones, not saying he is, but the, the Dolphins also have, I think a, they have, they got a third round pick or a fourth round pick um, a while back. I could see the Dolphins offering Devontae Parker and a couple draft picks Julio Jones. So let's say let's say the Falcons take it because, like I said, I could see teams really lowballing the Falcons because they feel like they have the leverage because of what Julio Jones said. So Dolphins get Julio Jones that way. Now they have Tua and Aaron Rodgers wants out. This part is a is a lot more of a stretch. Because obviously, I think at this point, you would rather have Tua 
than Aaron Rodgers in most cases. Unless you have, you really think you can win a championship and you want Aaron Rodgers that year, but even then, it's, it's a stretch. So I think the Packers would probably have to give the Dolphins a little bit more. I don't, I don't think it'd be a, a this for that trade. I don't think. But I could see that happening. If you take out Aaron Rodgers of the equation, I could also see him ending up in Dallas. I don't know if you guys saw, but a fan took a picture with Julio and posted it on Twitter, I believe. And Julio is wearing a Dallas Cowboys sweatshirt. I'm not saying that means he's going there, but I'm just saying that happened. He was wearing a Dallas Cowboys sweatshirt. The Cowboys have a wide receiver who I think, in my opinion, I would rather have over Devontae Parker, Amari Cooper. Again, I could see Amari Cooper being in discussion for Julio, especially because I feel like Cowboys fans, this, I, I could be wrong, but I feel like Cowboys fans aren't fully sold on Amari Cooper. So I could see that happening as well. Amari Cooper and some picks for Julio Jones. So that, that, those are my theories. Those are, those are my theories. I think the Dolphins theory is my favorite, but I realistically don't think it's likely to happen. So, yeah. Okay. Okay, so before Justin jumps in on this topic, so when you were talking about Julio going to Miami, you don't think that they would want Jalen Waddle, who has more upside than Devontae Parker, um, and he has you know four years of eligibility and possibly the fifth year option if they take it. They 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 might. I guess the only thing with that is it's more of a risk, right? Because Devontae Parker, he's been playing for a little bit, and so. He's he's more of a, a guaranteed, you know what you're getting. But that is a good point. They they might they might want Waddle and you know on the on the chance that he turns out to be you know an absolute star. I I could see that happening for sure. Okay. Okay. Justin, what are your thoughts? What do you think? I do not see them ending up on the same team together. Only for the fact of I think Aaron Rodgers is going to want to go one somewhere warm. He's going to do the Tom Brady thing. Somewhere warm and somewhere he wants to live for the rest of his life. And then I see Julio wanting to play with a young quarterback, a fun, exciting quarterback. And this is why I think Julio is going to try and be, try and go. I don't know if he even has any say in it, but he would end up in um, with the Ravens. So you'd have Lamar Jackson, you'd have a star in Julio Jones. And then if I'm the Ravens, I'm trying to protect Lamar at all costs. So getting offensive linemen in there would be huge. But if you think about it, the Ravens haven't really had a star wide receiver. They've had Andrews, the tight end, but like Hollywood Brown's the best they've had for Lamar to throw to. So you get Julio up there, and I think you get a couple better offensive linemen to protect him. I think you have a championship contending team right there. And then I, I can see Aaron Rodgers going somewhere like San Francisco or even to the Raiders where they're all right with their quarterback and Derek Carr. But I think they would take Aaron Rodgers any day over Derek Carr. And I think he would just like to play somewhere warm, somewhere on a team that has a chance. 
but not necessarily like I don't think he's chasing a ring right now. I think he just wants to go somewhere warm and somewhere he can have fun playing again. Okay. I could see that'd be that's an interesting one. That's one I haven't I haven't thought of yet. The Ravens, but I mean Ravens are known to have like this swagger, like this attitude like Ray Lewis had. And I mean they have since since Ray Lewis was there. And Julio kind of fits that mold. And Lamar Jackson throwing to him might create some some energy that Julio might need. But here's the thing. Julio is 32. Okay. Honestly, this move, this move where he went on undisputed and said, I'm out of there, like Josh said, is just absolutely devastating for the Falcons. Because, I mean, the guy's 32. I think he's got a three-year contract that's a ton of money. I mean, that's rough because you're committing for the long haul. And I don't think the Falcons will get a first-round pick for him. I think they'll get a second and maybe a a good player. But but honestly, I don't see them getting a first-round pick. And I think the Falcons organization is going to be very upset by this move and will send him somewhere that maybe he doesn't want to go, just out of spite. I think they're going to try to get the best deal that they can, but if there's some like equal deals, I think there's going to be some bad blood. So I think I can honestly see like I, even like a Raiders move. The Raiders could pick him up. They've got Henry Ruggs and Darren Waller as a tight end, but they need help on wide receiver, and Derek Carr needs some help. And honestly, I could see Rodgers going there too. It's a new city. New energy, new stadium, and I think that John Gruden is looking for a quarterback that he can set as his quarterback, and I could see the Raiders making a haul for that, for the new city and the new stadium. So that's kind of my idea behind it. I'm all for that. I think I think them both being on the Raiders would be would be pretty sweet. <laughs> I, think I, I agree. I think that'd be exciting. <laughs> Honestly, the place where I don't want him to end up is the Patriots. Because, honestly, and I don't like the Patriots, but bias aside, I honestly feel like that that organization, I don't know if it's just because it's like, you know, they're rebuilding, but it like it just seems scary for a talented player to go there. Because I, for some reason, I just have zero faith that the Patriots are going to be a great team for a long time. So I, I just hope he doesn't end up somewhere where he's going to go and then kind of just fall off the earth and struggle and and not play well. Yeah, I want Julio on a team. Like like I said, if he goes to the Ravens, I think that'd be fun to see Lamar throwing the ball to Julio. Because Lamar. Like I said, he hasn't had those guys, really. I mean, you could argue he, Hollywood Brown, they have Sammy Watkins now. But, like, that would just be fun, seeing Lamar scramble or even 
just sit back and heave it if he has the protection. That'd be so cool to watch. I'm with you. That 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 would be a fun a fun pair of of players too, Lamar and Julio. Yeah, yeah. As a Steelers fan, you know you don't really want to see it. You <laughs> don't want to see it. <laughs> what if? Uh, All right, Rogers guys. That's to... yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, sorry, sorry. What was that? I got one more oh, no. scenario. We're good. What if Rodgers ended up with the Steelers? You know, I thought about this one. <laughs> and it's an interesting scenario, all right? But, but I think Rodgers, Rodgers has a lot of say, okay? He doesn't have, he doesn't have a no trade cause, but he could not show up to training camp and the trade wouldn't go through. So it all, I mean, he doesn't have a no trade clause, but he does. So he has a lot of say where he goes. I think the Steelers offensive line issues and them not addressing it in the draft will automatically write them off for the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes. I think he wants to go somewhere where he's got a good offensive line, he's got good weapons, because that's what he hasn't had in Green Bay. And he just feels disrespected because he talks about it's not about Jordan Love. And I, I kind of believe him, but it, it's also about the lack of help that he's got. I, I mean, even Devontae Adams, I think was a third-round draft pick, second-round draft pick, he wasn't a first-round talent. Aaron Rodgers has made him into a first-round talent. So they haven't spent anything to help him besides maybe some offensive linemen. So that's where I think that he's a little upset. I think he's a little upset that he's not getting any help, that he's not feeling respected for a new contract, and that's the issue. And I don't think going to the Steelers will help that. And so I'm thinking my, my thought this entire time has been based around him going to Denver or San Francisco. The problem with San Francisco is it's the same idea where they drafted Trey Lance, so they have his replacement when he's done. And I think he just wants to be respected and well-loved, so I think Denver is the place that he'll go. Interesting. Interesting. But, But I would love to see him on the Raiders. All right, guys. That's the end of the show. Uh, come back next week for some uh, more hot takes from some pretty average guys. Thanks. Love that. Four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff.